I am unashamed. What about you? All scripture is God breathed. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, training in righteousness so the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3. Boy, you came here ready, Phil. Well, you see these here? Yeah. We just, we just finished singing the Canadian National Anthem. I had a Canadian I spoke to Sunday morning and pointed him to Jesus at the same time I let him know where God stands with the harvesting of ducks he made. So about noon the following day, Acts chapter 10, verse, verse uh, 9. About noon the following day, as they were approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Peter got sleepy. He became hungry, uh-oh, and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. Here comes a movie screen out of the heavens. This is Acts chapter 10, 9 and following. For all you naysayers, it contained all kinds of four foot the sheep, all kinds of four-footed animals, deer, moose, elk, cow. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth. Uh-oh. And Birds of the air, like them rednecks got. Birds of the air. So how did they end up here? Then a voice from heaven said, told him, get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Kill and eat. You see it? Yeah, Birds of the air. For the listeners, Phil's holding up ducks in and out. <laughs> Most people are just listening, but that's okay. We got. If you're watching here. Watch this carefully because this is as biblical as you get. Phil's get up, up, Peter. Kill and eat. Well, with, with all the all the, I don't know whether we ought to do with, with the animals to protect them. We're just following scripture. Surely not I, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. He hadn't been running with the rednecks yet. The voice spoke to him as a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Whack them and stack them is the message of Acts chapter 10. This happened three times to make sure Peter didn't miss it. And immediately... The sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the, the meaning of the, the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house uh, was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And the gospel was preached and God marched on. Look, see them wings? Blue, blue wings. These yeah. are blue-winged teal. They winter in the Yucatan Peninsula, swimming all, all across the Gulf of Mexico. You say, where'd they come from? 
Oh, Canada. Jace, will you join in me with the... No, I'm going to let you sing that one. That was pretty good, though. It's not bad. <laughs> oh, when we see these coming, we all look up and we hold our hand on our heart and our weapon in our hand, and we say... Oh, Canada, how I love you. <laughs> yeah. So if you're ever wondering what gets Phil fired up, I would say the Holy Spirit oh my moving or ducks moving. And they obviously moved this morning. If you look at ducks like that and people say, oh, those poor little ducks. Phil, nobody's listening to us who's saying that. Nobody's saying that. Yeah, we, we lost them years ago. You reckon? Yeah. But yeah, they're, we, up, they're with it. We got breakfast, lunch, and supper with what happened this morning. So the reason Phil's so excited, you know, I've been gone for five or six days. I've been filming. And so with Teal, they move, especially at our place, just every few days. That's right. So I think in the last six days, how many Teal have y'all reduced to possession? Oh, we probably have harvested about ten or twelve total. All on. No, each I'm day. saying the last six. I was I was in on the first one. So I'm in mean, the last six days. I think y'all have one. Yeah. <clears throat> so there you go. It was just I just got lucky. <laughs> it calls for patience. Uh, well, I wasn't even here, and so I every day I would call Jay, and I was like, "Y'all get them today," and he said, "Nope." Then the next day, I'd say, did y'all get them today? Nope. So that's why you see uh, it was an exciting day. We actually didn't see that many. We had we had two come in at, I would say, 6.55. And I actually thought they were doves coming in the distance. I said, good, good. I think there's because it's dove season. It's, uh, it's well below sunup. Yeah, the sun hadn't hadn't come up yet and it was cloudy anyway so i reached to get my gun thinking there's two doves coming because i just wasn't thinking teal and by the time i got my gun and looked up they were coming in the decoys and i said oh no they're those are teal so one of them lit and then one of them lit wide well nobody moved this was a because we're i'm thinking they hadn't shot but one in the last six days don't screw this up. We we have two teal. One's in the decoys. One is not. So nobody moved. And the one on the far right out of the decoys, which they were on my side, he got up and started coming toward us. So I was waiting, waiting. And then he started, as soon as he started climbing, because I thought, no, he's out of here. He's going back to the Yucatan. I, I did the old famous Phil line, boom. Shoot them. <laughs> so, I mean, I fired. Boom, boom, let's get them. No, I said, boom, <laughs> shoot him. And the other one got up, boom, boom, they got him. So I thought, well, what a morning. We got two teal. We were actually pretty happy. So then 20 minutes later, we were sitting there talking pretty loud. And we heard that sound, Al. Like a wind the blowing. Sound. And then it, then the unspeakable language developed because everybody's you know everybody's shuffling and and there was about seven they came right to left and as we soon as they, them a little bit because 
We all, we were wearing you and I were wearing duck calls yeah, around our neck. We, we hit them with. Should have brought my duck calls. Gave it gave the audience a. a <laughs> I can imitate that. <laughs> all right. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so we blew at them. They were hovering perfectly. We said, "Shoot them!" Ba 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 boom. Got six of the seven, which not was is not bad. So now we were really fired up. So now we have eight. And then about 7.30, which it's only 8.30 now. Yep. So 7.30, we heard, and it was a bigger bunch. It was 15 or 20 of them. They came behind the blind. Phil hit them with a call. And I lost them because they were messing around behind us for like an awkwardly long time, which was probably five you gotta, seconds. You got to remind them. Our, our job is to make duck calls that sound like ducks. So this is, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't have made a living from duck calls unless they were allowed, <laughs> and it is biblical, to harvest ducks. Yeah, you proved that by the Acts 7, 17, or was it Acts 10, 17? Acts 10. So uh, then all of a sudden they just appeared from behind us, and they just, as soon as they broke down, shoot them. And By the way, these bump. things fly at speeds up around 60 to 70 miles an hour. Well, Sai said he clocked them at 70. He was going down the interstate, and he had a green wing teal. He started <laughs> flanking him. And he looked at the teal, and he looked at his speedometer, and he, he determined that it was flying about 70. Yeah. Sal also said he was chased by wolves, just just well, to, just for well, context. This is not that easy to harvest. I'm feeling him, and I'm so, feeling right here. He's fat, fat little teal. <laughs> so we, I said shoot him, we blah, 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 boom, and we picked up 10 out of that bunch. Which by the way, good. there was about five in the blind, <laughs> five people. Yeah. No, it, it wasn't about. It was five of us. Five of us. And we had <laughs> – we had uh, – we had Jersey yeah. Joe. He was on the podcast. Oh, Jersey. Uh, and he, he just has, he tried to play the roulette wheel with Teal, and he's always struck out. Every time he yeah. goes, we don't fire a shot. So today, you know, I thought we were going to have to give him CPR because he was so excited. He, he just, oh, yeah. He was like, the sound of the wings. I've never heard anything like that. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. So uh, it was a it was a good good morning. It was a movement of teal today. So that's why that's why I feel so excited today. We got them. Well, I suppose to say, I, Dad, that's as animated as I've seen Dad in a while. I think he's that patience finally has boiled over into a volcano of excitement, which My is fun first to see. Harvest of ducks was they were green wing. Three green wing teal. They look just like this one, except the wings are green right here. Three teal and one pintail coming toward me when I was 11 years old. I have an A5 browning. I told Ma I was going to get her some ducks if she would cook them for us. And I walked over there about two miles to a farmer. He's got a little pothole out there. So I was 11 when I harvested my first ducks, and uh, it was a cup of teal and the pintail. Pretty good shooting for an 11-year-old. 
I've been chasing them ever since. <laughs> and I tell people all the time, Dad, when I go and speak. That was that 60 years ago. More, yeah, more than that. And, and I tell people that you're, you get just as excited at 77 as you did at 11. I tell people that when I speak, and you've proved that today on the podcast, that you still love to do it, which is exciting. It is. Yeah, so uh, this is day 10 of the season, and it's really only the second day that we could have shot many. So yep. the, And the other one was a Sunday, and, and the B team had gone before well, church. we have a drought down here in North Louisiana this year. It's a drought running all up the Mississippi River, and uh, so the teal are a little bit shaken by the lack of water. But if you have water... At some point, you got pretty good chance of getting them as long as you're there. So it was it was a good morning. It was the way to start the morning off. No doubt. Teal, teal hunting is definitely fun. And just to set the stage for our listeners, because I know a lot, a lot of you are listening, so there's a, a pile of teal on the table uh, where we do our Bible study if you're not watching. And so that's what Dad's been referencing to uh, this whole open. But, you know, that's exactly why we're the most unique podcast in America because probably – Oh, no other podcast would they have a pile of dead ducks on the table well, and, to lead into their podcast. So we're going to take a break, hand them off to a group of guys who are fixing to clean these. And That's right. Then we'll figure out how we're going to eat them. So we'll yep, be, gumbo's right. coming. We'll be right all back. Right. Let's take a break. So one of the things we love about our sponsors is uh, these. these are things that we use as well. And Helix Sleep uh, is one of those. Jace, you're on the road a lot, um, usually in places, sleeping on the ground or someplace uh, doing metal detecting. But uh, do you appreciate it when you're able to sleep on your Helix mattress? Oh, I actually had that thought last night after a six-day journey. I got in there and thought, oh, yeah. I was asleep and I'd say less than 60 seconds. It's a fantastic product. Uh, we love them. They have a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty uh, to try out your new Helix mattress. So you're going to lose nothing by trying them, but trust me, you're going to love them. Uh, you go online uh, and you take a quiz. And once you take this quiz, they understand exactly how you like to sleep and um, and they're going to send you just what you want. So they're offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for all of our unashamed listeners when you go to helixsleep.com slash unashamed. That's where you're going to take your quiz, and then they're going to send you this fantastic mattress. So it's helixsleep.com slash unashamed. This is their best offer yet, but it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Welcome back. Um, I was laughing when y'all were getting the ducks and taking them out to the guys. I'm watching on camera. And so Maddie, who's our producer, comes around to clean the table because, you know, there's some muddy ducks on the table, muddy and bloody. And uh, <laughs> the look on her face, <laughs> she, she, it looked like somebody had put some gym socks under her nose. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time she was wiping up all the leftovers from the ducks, she just kind of had her nose crinkled up with in kind of a a, a 
prunish looking look well, on her the face. The poor little thing hadn't been married <laughs> for a few weeks, so a month or two or something like that. So there's a lots of lessons that she has to learn. Well, she just learned one about cleaning up after y'all. Yeah. But, I don't think but they, I just, uh, they teach the art of picking ducks in media school. <laughs> or, yeah, you had to ask Maddie if they taught her a class on that while she was going to school. That's pretty funny. No, not at all. So I was in te- I was in Tennessee. We had yep. uh, we filmed for a few days, and uh, we're we're still... you were actually on your home turf, right, Jace? Up in your area oh, where you live, right? I got a house up there. Uh, you know, my kids they all wound up in the Nashville area. So, uh, but we kind of had a family gathering, so that was awesome. We ate really well. Phil, you would have been proud. Yeah. Uh, we ate. We ate some. We had some tenderloins one night and we smoked a brisket and so jeff and his family came too so because he's on the show with me and of course murray and his wife came so we just we're trying to take the sting out of uh you know filming so many episodes so we turned it into a family gathering which was really good i got to go to uh, my son reed i went to their church yesterday and uh, it was it was just a good time it was kind of a come to jesus meeting amongst a lot of filming well it's funny because you guys were filming uh really close to joe beam who we had on the podcast and so he texted me and he said i think your brothers are filming up here close but i went to see them and they were gone and so after i did a little investigation i found out y'all had already left that location but so joe just missed y'all while you were traveling to nashville i was in bloomington illinois speaking to some folks up there. And I want to tell folks about a couple of places coming up. Lisa and I are going to be on 10, 12 in Artesia, New Mexico, which I'm excited. I've never spoken in New Mexico before at the uh, pregnancy help center of Artesia.com. If you want to check into that, see if they have any availability. Also right after that on 10, 13 and 14, we're going to be in cold spring, Minnesota, Minnesota doing a marriage event at the river of life church. So, Check those out. Long way from home for me. But I tell you what, it's really great. Everywhere I go, Dad, I run into people and I run into a bunch of them in Bloomington that listen to the podcast. Love it. I mean, listen to every episode. So it's it's encouraging everywhere we go. Of course, the movie's out now, um, which I did you notice my shirt, Jace? What does it say? Zach Dasher for Congress. I found this in the bottom of something I was digging through the other day. And so I broke it out. And uh, I was going to make it Zach Dasher Day, but since Zach didn't come on the podcast because he's busy with movie release stuff, I guess we'll delay uh, Zach Dasher Day. But I do appreciate Zach for all the hard work he's done, not only to get this film out, but being a part of what we're doing. So I, I've dug out this old shirt. This was this was an expensive shirt because we all donated to Zach's campaign. And so I told him it's the most expensive piece of clothing I have because this is what I got for the huh. – <laughs> however much we dumped into his campaign. But I will say this, if Zach had not run for Congress, then the contacts that he made with Blaze and everything else, we would have never been, Dad, your your first show never would have been on. We probably would have never done what we're doing now. So really it was kind of a chain of events by him running for Congress that has led us to everything we're doing now. So God works all things out, I guess, in his wisdom. Yep. You know, no matter what, which is a blessing. So we appreciate Zach uh, and, and for what he's done on the movie and everything else. So 
Uh, y'all ready to get it into Luke? Oh, we are. I was going to tell one other story that happened. Okay. Just, just you got to remember, you know, things happen when you're filming and you're on the road, and you know, I'm with my family, and you were you were mentioning Joe Bean being near us, and I never could get with him. But also, one of my good friends, uh, Whitney Miller. I think it's Whitney Miller Humphrey now. You know, she's married, but she was the winner of. One of those, I think it was called the Master Chef show. I met her at a Tim Tebow event. Oh yeah, yeah, I met her too at at the Tebow event. She had a she was cooking on one of the holes on um, at the Tim Tebow tournament. That's when I met her. Yeah, and so we we got to be friends, my wife and I. With her, well, she's she has a shop in uh, the Nashville area. I think it's in Thompson Station, Tennessee. And so she was right by where we were, and of course everybody saw the TV people, and they're like, "What's going on? Oh, they're filming this show called Duck Family Treasure." She's like, "Well, I know them." So she made a batch of cookies for Missy and I and our family, and gave the cookies to the TV people to give to us. So she sent Missy a message and said. You know, I want to get with y'all. I made, How'd you like those cookies? So Missy, of course, asked me. She's like, Whitney made us some cookies. And I was like, ooh, where are they at? She's like, well, I thought you had them. I mean, she, she gave them. So I found whoever was in charge of the TV people, and I said, uh, look, we're, I'm looking for, we need a meeting. And they like, okay. So they all got together. They thought we'd fix to talk about a scene. I was like, one of my friends has given me a box of cookies. Where are the cookies? Yeah, where are the cookies? <laughs> and he said, well, certainly, you know, none of our crew. Would have rolled in there and ate them all. Yeah, he wouldn't have. And I was like, <laughs> I said, I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying it's day two cookies? after the handoff, <laughs> and nobody has seen these cookies. And he said, look, nobody on our crew would have eaten a gift to you and your wife. Not all of them. That, that I can assure you. <laughs> so that was the last conversation I had of that day. So day three, I'm out in the middle of a field with my detector, and I see this fellow, the same fellow I talked to. He, you know, He's kind of running the business side of the TV people. I see him. He, he's walking toward me because you couldn't drive any kind of vehicle out there. And I thought, now, why is he coming out here while I'm metal detecting? And uh, I noticed he had something in his hand. So then I thought, well, mate, he, I see, he, he's found the cookies here. <laughs> so he come up and he said, first off, and I thought, uh-oh. He said, I want to apologize. He said, you remember yesterday when I said no one from our TV crew would ever do anything with those cookies? He said, well, they ate them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking in his hand. He's got a box here. An empty box? No. He said, so she made you some more. And we offered to pay her, but she wouldn't take anything, and I feel really bad about it. And I was like, so let me get this right. Y'all took that. He's like, no, I wasn't a part of it. I said, but you're in charge, right? He's like, yeah, I'm in charge. You I just said, expected more from a film crew than eating all the cookies before you even, in which they weren't in your at least, At least save you one cookie. I mean, could you save one? So I said, I said, so here's here's what we're gonna do. Since we have the cookies, and he was 
Because I could tell he was nervous about it because he felt, I mean, he was like, that never Ste- happened. Stealing cookies, you know, was. So I said, here's, <laughs> here's what's going to happen. I said, since we have the replacement box of cookies, that's fine. Good trade. Go, you know, put them in my truck. Missy and I and the kids will eat them. I said, but go back and find out all the people who participated. And look, these cookies, I'm telling you, they were. I was fixing to ask, were these cookies that good? Phil. They and look, if you're in that area, it's Whitney's cookies, but she's got all kind of stuff. But I paid an obscene amount of money at a Tim Tebow event to have her come cook for our family because I thought let's just put this master chef to the test here. And uh, it, she is a world class. I mean, she won some kind of the world chef master chef. Yeah, but- she's an she's an award winning chef. There's no doubt about it. Kind of like this podcast, an award-winning podcast. Yeah. It was as fine a cuisine as I've ever eaten, and these cookies were unbelievable. So Whitney's cookies. and But so here's what I told him. I said, look, you go back, and whoever ate the cookies, you fire them. <laughs> Tell them, get your stuff. And we never want to see you again. And he was looking at me like. You can do a lot of things, man, but don't mess with our cookies. <laughs> I said, I'm kidding. And he, he kind of took a deep breath. I said, we're going we're gonna to extend grace. I figured it was a good opportunity <laughs> That's right. to teach about grace to the Hollywood TV crew. But don't ever do that again. <laughs> don't give the cookies direct. Let's take another break. Well, I don't know that uh, medical bills are a huge problem. And uh, if you have some unexpected medical emergency, the last thing you want to be worried about is how you're going to get it paid for. You're just trying to get well, get your loved one well, or get the right care. So I have two questions for you. Uh, how are you paying for your health care and how is it working out for you? If it's working out perfectly, great. If it's not, then you need to listen because we have a solution. And because we're on the Unashamed Podcast, it's a biblical solution. It's a group called Samaritan Ministries. They're a community of Christians that are paying each other's medical bills. This is not insurance. It's assurance that you're part of a healthcare sharing community where members care for one another spiritually and financially when a medical need arises. You can join anytime. Uh, your medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries. They notify fellow members to not only send you money that help with your shareable bills, but also to pray for you, which we love. Your medical bills get paid. You'll find comfort in prayers and encouragement also from fellow members. So this isn't a faceless company. It's an opportunity to minister to one another. Another thing that Lisa and I love about it is when a medical emergency comes up, you don't have to give a second thought to where the hospital or the ER doctor is in network. Samaritan Ministries have no network restrictions, so you have total freedom to choose whatever doctor, hospital, or treatment are best for you and your family. Members get also access to exclusive health resources to keep your medical costs low. Lisa and I have joined, so we ask you to do the same. 80,000 Christian households across the nation sharing 30 million in medical needs every month. Become part of this community today at SamaritanMinistries.org slash unashamed. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash unashamed. Join up today. And you wonder why they're leaving California. Cookie <laughs> <Yeah>. peace. <laughs> 
I'm not sure I see You're the connection the there. Out of your boat. Yeah. Well, Dad took it right to California. No, that was a long story. But I, I wanted to give Whitney some love because we never got to see her because just all the hoopla that was going on from doing a TV show. Uh, but we love her and her family, and she's very yeah. talented. And Fantastic person. It's been years since I've seen her. I wish so I If you're in that area, go buy something there and you will you will you can thank me later yeah that's pretty good that's when you know you know when people are are hijacking your cookies they gotta be good cookies i just thought that was crazy you know i thought boy the world we live in (laughs) so now we're in loop 13 yeah we're in loop 13 um the last time uh, we had mom on we were talking about this uh there was a parable actually it was two parables in luke 13 18 through 21 where he was talking about the mustard seed and then yeast. And so we, we utilize mom's cooking skills uh, and her background to kind of give us some insight on those two parables. But the idea was, is that he was, the point he was trying to make is that the kingdom of God is that which is small, which grows into something bigger. So it's you know let, he compares the same thing to faith with the mustard seed later when he talks to the, the apostles, and it's the same thing with yeast. It's a small thing that then spreads into the batch, and so we even made the point that the evil one does the same thing in reverse with evil. So you know it's just it's it's the choice of which way you go, right? So so I, I set that up to to continue where we're going to be today, because he kind of continues his same theme. But now he's going to be talking about entry into this kingdom. And again, it's this idea of smaller to greater uh, is where he's going to go. So I want to read this this next context, uh, starting in verse 22. Uh, Jesus went through the towns and the villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. So we've kind of looked at this a little bit geographically. We've been going through here because remember he started in Galilee and he was in Capernaum and Nazareth and all the areas he was from. But now we see him sort of in the speed mode to get to Jerusalem because we're getting closer and closer to what he came to do. So everything is kind of hinging off of that, right? I mean, that part of the journey. Exactly. And, and knowing, I think it's powerful that he knew what was going to happen in Jerusalem. Right. Which, he had predicted it over and over. Yeah, but just even knowing that, you know, he became a man. You can't be any more vulnerable than entering the world through a womb of a woman and, and being a baby. And, and, I mean, here's God becoming this vulnerable and even knowing how this is going to end, his life on earth. It just it's a testament to God's love for us and and what the measures that he went to to pull this off. Yeah. So every time I see that and you know, on faith. the way to Jerusalem, you know he's thinking, uh, you know there's a scene in the in the chosen, I can't remember which season or which episode, but I thought they really did a good job where it was early in his ministry. But as he was walking by, they had there were some people being crucified in the background, and he just kind of he kind of gave a look because you know, I mean, they were they were sowing that seed because that's what in that world that was happening all the time. Any any yeah. kind of insurrection whatsoever, the Romans were putting that down, and so you know 
kind of like you see these links from every time you see on going on his way to Jerusalem that it's got to be crossing his mind. Well, here we go. Yeah. Now that's a you you bring up a really good context point because you're right. It was not even every decade. It was less than that. You can, and if you ever go back and read Josephus's work, you'll see because we've already mentioned one case where Pontius Pilate puts down a rebellion by killing all these people. So these these uprisings are happening quite a bit, and so that's kind of what people are thinking this is which we're going to get to that a little bit with Herod in the next context. But so here's the question that's asked him. And it was interesting because I I think the reason this question was asked was the previous discussion where Jesus talked about the mustard seed and the yeast, this idea of that, which is small, because this person says, as he continues to teach, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And I think it's in reference to, you know, mustard seeds and yeast. I mean, the idea is, well, this, wait a minute here. This, I thought this was going to be, we're resetting the kingdom. This is going to be us taking over. So I, I think it was an honest question. And, it wasn't and the fact th- that they, they, will, they would murder you if you were outspoken. At that time, 31, 1331, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place. And go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. <laughs> right. Which is interesting, and we'll we'll break it down yeah. when we get there. But but you're right. What we're seeing here is there's a political theater that's in the backdrop of all of this. Because yeah. that's why yeah. Herod's brought into it. Because you well, know, Herod Herod's the family of Herod's been trying to kill Jesus since he was a baby boy, remember? Oh, this, yeah. His dad was trying to kill him even way back when. But it's it's an interesting question, or only a few people going to be saved uh, in the in the midst of all this talk about kingdom. I just find that to be a fascinating way to frame that, the way this guy asked it. And it's almost like he's saying, are only a few of us people going to be saved? Because I think he's, again, relaying back to this whole Jewish idea that we're going to be the rulers of everything. I was with you. I mean, I think whether Luke organized his letter in this way, I mean, naturally, when, when you're thinking about something small, I mean, why is Jesus giving an analogy about a mustard seed? I think it makes perfectly, it, it makes perfect sense to then say, you have this thought of someone asked him, you know, only are only a few people going to be saved? I mean, Jesus addressed this in Matthew's account in chapter 7. And verse, where's that at? Uh, I was going on small is the gate, but uh, I don't think that's the one I was looking for. When he says in 21 is the one that I want. Yeah, yeah, no, there it is, uh, 13, 7, 13, yeah, and 14 yeah. of Matthew. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate. And narrow the road, or some versions say straight is the word, but it's it's like an old English word, straight, without the G-H, which means like to squeeze. You know, <laughs> the only way to get through it is to squeeze. It's so, it's almost like you're, you're squeezing through the door. And so, I mean, it, it was being actually more graphic 
here than than there, but it's the same concept. Small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And then, you know, in 21, he's like, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And 22 says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform any miracles? And then I think it's interesting. The reason I want to read this is because 23 says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you're evildoers. So he brings up in that context their character. You know, he calls them evildoers. And that he didn't know them. They, you know, they didn't, they didn't have a relationship, which, which is kind of the word we use today. But it's, we know they didn't surrender to him. They didn't take him seriously. They weren't humble and open to what he was saying. And the reason we're making such a big deal of this, because it's a difficult passage. I, I think a lot of religious people don't like reading this section of Scripture because the world says or accuses when you read this, well, this is just bigotry. You know, you're, I mean, Jesus is saying that it's a narrow road. I mean, how dare he get this down to just a select few. That just doesn't seem right. And I heard a good analogy of this before we we read it. Because religion today, just in our culture, they kind of, they don't want to offend anybody. And, And so they come up with this system that there's like, there's many roads, but we're all headed to the same place. And in Jesus's, message here there's two roads and two destinations one's narrow and it's and it ends well the other's broad and it does not end well and so i think that's that's where the rub is now i I think it's a perfect perfectly reasonable explanation of that and we'll discuss it after we see it because when you finally get to 2023 as we are the naysayers are still there. Well, right. Because it really comes comes down to, you know, truth. Who Who's telling the truth? Because truth is just truth. And uh, I heard a good analogy about that. It's like in other concepts that are not religion, people can agree that there there is a truth, that certain things are just true. Like if you said two plus two is four, well, most people would agree with that. But what if some people said, well, but I believe that two plus two is five. Well, what are we going to do? We have two different sets of truth there. Somebody's got to be wrong and somebody's got to be right. And in our current climate, we just say there's more than one truth. So uh, your business is humming along, uh, but now you're starting to fall behind. Your teams are buried in manual work. It's taken forever to get your books closed. And getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know three numbers, Jace. These are three numbers you need to know. 36,000, 25, and 1. 36,000 is the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and much more. 25, 
NetSuite turns 25 this year. So that's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And of course, the number one is because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, which are your key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. You get to manage risk. You get to get reliable forecasts and improve your margins. Everything you need in one place. When we do this podcast. We have one source of truth, the word of God. These guys for your business are one source of truth. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash fill. That's netsuite.com slash fill to get your own KPI checklist. Check them out, netsuite.com slash fill. All right, so then you get into that. Well, there is a there's a mathematical belief out there that if you can come up with something, then it must be true. But two plus two is four. I think you're right, Jace, and you, you framed it well. The, the problem with this metaphor that people have used later is they've made the narrowing is the idea of, well, God intentionally made this small where only a few people could make it. But you're missing the point. It's not what he's saying at all. In fact, he's going to make the point that th- the kingdom is going to be broadened way more than the people he's talking to thought it was. They thought it was just for them, but he, the, the, the narrow gate that they viewed was a lot more narrow because you would have only had to have been a Jew to be able to make it. And he's going to broaden that out. The idea is, and you hit it, it's the heart of the person, whether they're seeking the door or not. And so let me read this because this right off the bat, he says, make every effort which is really interesting. The word, Greek word, Jay's for that is um, um, agon, see, agonizomai, which we get the word agonizing from. So you, you were talking about that squeezing idea. The Jesus says it's going to be agonizing to find this gate, which tells you that it's not easy. You have to have a super humble heart to be able to find it. So he says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. There's the agony of it. And because in the context, again, he's talking about people that think it's their pedigree that they're able to enter that door. But he says, it's not going to be based on that. It's not going to be based on because you call yourself whatever. I am the gate, John 10, 9, right? And it's narrow. And it's narrow because it's just me. I'm the only way you can get in. (laughs) Is it the point he's making? Yeah, which seems like that's what Straight they say. Straight is the way and narrow is the gate. But you, when you start reading other verses, you immediately want to go to, you know, you think of the Peter passage that says he's patient with everyone, not wanting anyone to perish. You know, Jesus died for the world. I mean, he, Jesus died for everybody. It, the, yeah. God's grace is available. Yeah. And we've seen that in Luke. Over and over and over again, and especially in the next chapter, it's like when you have a banquet, and he's comparing it to the kingdom, Yep. you invite everybody. I mean, from the lepers to the lame. or And then he's like, I would even rather you not invite the the frou-frou people. Now, that's my interpretation. But like, you know, because <laughs> you think if you're going to have a party, well, you want all the important people, all the famous people all the people with, well, we're going to have a party. And he's like, don't invite them because then you're going to have to pay them back. 
And so we're going to get into these stories, but he's like, you invite everybody. So you see in the day-to-day ministry of Jesus, the value of every single person. It's undeniable in the New Testament. So you can't then all of a sudden read this about the narrow door and say, well, Jesus was excluding everybody. This doesn't seem right. So you have to realize, well, what, what was he getting at? Yeah. No, and you're right. And that's why it's important to study all these contexts in context, because you understand he's speaking to Jewish people. And the question was asked, are only a few going to be saved? The All this answer is to that. And that's asked by a Jewish person who's thinking that you only get in by your pedigree of being a Jew. And he's like, no, you've missed the whole point. I am the gate. You have to trust in me, which is going to broaden it to way more people to be able to find this gate is the point. Which Don't you think it's funny, too, that one guy asked him, someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And then you see what happened. The next phrase says, he said to them, he didn't. He didn't really even entertain the question. That's right. He just, he then tells in that platform to everyone, and you can go ahead and read it. Which is kind of what he's been doing. All right, let me read the rest of this. Uh, Verse 25, once the uh, the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. And that's back to that text you were reading earlier from Matthew days. Verse 26, then you will say, well, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. Now that puts it right back into that Jewish context that we were talking about. People will come from east and west and north and south. That sounds like expanding to a lot more people and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. So you see the context again, he's broadening the, the And this is Luke. It's been his theme. Jay said it earlier, and he's right. This has been Luke's theme the whole time, is this Jesus broadened the opportunity for the kingdom of God to every person, whereas the Jewish mindset, no, only we get in. you know. And it's interesting that that was asked by a Jewish man about, are only a few going to be there? So he, he was saying a few of us Jews is what he was asking the question. Yeah, so I think it's a good reminder that you have to go back at the beginning of Luke and John the Baptist came saying, repent for the kingdom is near. He's pointing to Jesus. Well, then Jesus came preaching, repent for the kingdom is at hand. And then over and over, every chapter, he's been explaining the kingdom, teaching about the kingdom. He's doing supernatural things and miracles. And so you're if you're looking at this from afar, Two instances for sure, there were four and five thousand men out here in the countryside. And so, from a political view, here's this guy claiming to be the Son of Man and claiming to be God. 
and there's large groups following, and he has these special powers. Well, the, it seems like we have a movement happening, a political, uh, nationalistic type. We're going to take over. And so that's why it's a weird question uh, when he says there's only a few people being saved because the things he's saying and doing is not really coming across like we're fixed to go full force attack Rome and take over it, it's he's saying these things and claiming these things but then what he's doing he's helping lepers and, and people who really wouldn't be a wouldn't be an aid to some kind of army and so I think that's where the rub is and so the reminder I wanted to give you is like when Jesus keeps claiming to be the son of man our modern culture we're like well of course you're a son of man what else would you be? You know, I'm a son of man. But it all came back to that prophecy, which his audience was very familiar with. There's a prophecy about a kingdom coming, and two places you can read about it in Daniel is the Daniel 2.44. It says, in the time of those kings, there will be a kingdom that that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those other kingdoms. And so then in chapter 7, it says, you know, Daniel has a vision and he saw someone like a son of man. This is Daniel 7, 13. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days, which is, you know, the God of all, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, Sovereign power, all peoples, nations, and men of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass, pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So here's this Jesus now, fast forward, making, they're hearing all this about the Son of Man. They're seeing all these miracles. How long from Daniel to 700 years? 700 years 700 years to christ and then 2000 years to us so yeah but my point is i think these questions are traps trying to get around his claims you know it's like you're doing all this thing these things you're you're claiming to bring this kingdom you're claiming to do things that only God could do. And, and it's just little things, you know, that he's saying. Remember when he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven? That was in Luke 10? Yeah. Yeah, Luke 10 and verse 18 and 19. Well, just think about it. Who could say that? You saw Satan fall like lightning. You, you saw the his beginning. Uh, his, you, who are you? Well, that that only someone posing as God in human form could be making claims like this. And you remember even in Luke nine, where he said, "Some of you will not taste death." That's Luke nine twenty seven. I tell you the truth: some are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Well, how would you know that? How do you know what's going to happen in the future? You know when I'm going to die? And you know when the kingdom's coming? And so, and he's referring to himself as the son of man. So to us, 
that's not a big deal. But to them, they know that Daniel seven passage like the back of their hand. They're sitting around yeah. waiting on the on the king king to come. So you have to put that in in your mind to understand why he's saying this because what their narrative of the Son of Man is is not what he's portraying. That's right. They're uncomfortable with this. So yeah. so you're getting into these kind of conversations because of that. Jesus doesn't have the pedigree. A lot of it was about, because they're continuing uh, uh, to put people in there that we never would have put anywhere. Well, right. And this is a perfect, Al is right, this is the perfect segue into what's going to happen in chapter 14 and 15. And to give you an example Chapter 14 and verse 11 says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself be exalted. When you exalt yourself as to how this kingdom is going to shake out as a human, and when you're looking at the very one who is King Jesus and saying, Well, you're hanging around the wrong people, you're healing people on the Sabbath, you're disqualified, you have a demon, you're, you're not. You're not part of us. Well, all of a sudden we start talking about narrow doors because he's saying, I don't know you because this is not based on your agenda as humans to figure this out or to say who's setting the ground rules for the kingdom. And really, look, that has never changed to this day. Yeah, that's so good. We, we always think, I mean, Luke 15 is the greatest illustration of that because everybody says it's the prodigal son, but it, it was two sons. Yeah. That second son is representative of the very crowd that Jesus is addressing here. You've exhausted yourself, and you're saying who's in and who's out and what we have to do, and you're only using the Father to get what you want, his stuff, without knowing the Father. You know, neither, neither son had a relationship with the Father. They were both trying That's to right. get what he had from two totally different angles. It was definitely aimed at the second son. Well, look, we're out of time. Uh, but I do want to flash out some thoughts you just brought up in our overtime segment. So if you want to follow us over, blazetv.com slash unashamed is where we have our overtime. So uh, come on over and we'll talk a little bit more about Luke 13. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.